Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. begin today uh, by sharing with you that uh, I love this time of year. I love Christmas, uh, but I also love football, and it's the playoffs. Yes, <laughs> I love football, and uh, it's the playoffs, and, and you got to understand when I, uh, I'm, I'm sort of an, a, a very emotional guy. Like, I just can't you know, contain myself at times with, with the emotion that wells up, and like, you know, when, when uh, uh, let me give you for an example. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I invited one of our college students who was, you know, somewhat new to our church uh, to come over and watch a, bull, a full uh, uh, Georgia Bulldogs football game. Let's get that out. And, um, and you know, it was a close game. It was, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but uh, it was a close game. And I, I, you know, the play was going on. Our guy had the ball and running it. And before I noticed it, I just... Or could contain my, I had leaped off of our sofa into the middle of the floor and throwing a block. I'm not even kidding. I mean, like, hit him! You know, I'm like, and I'm just, and this guy, his eyes are about this big. <laughs> Pastor, you do get into the game, right? Yes, I do. And so Rhonda will watch a, a game with me occasionally, but she sits on the other side of the sofa so that she doesn't get an elbow or something when I'm blocking. And again, I don't know why that, that's just the way that I am, you know, but that's it. And so uh, Sunday night, last Sunday night, uh, the football game was on, and, and uh, we were watching it, and the Eagles were playing uh, the Rams. And it was, uh, you know, was the, the Eagles have had a mediocre season. You know, last year they won the Super Bowl, and, and the Rams have had an outstanding season. Uh, it was just, it's just amazing. And so the Rams were supposed to win by at least two touchdowns. And so when I turn it on, it's, of course, it's about in the middle of the game before I get it on. And I realize that Nick Foles is in playing quarterback. He's a fill-in quarterback, the backup quarterback that actually come in last year and led the, uh, the Eagles to the Super Bowl championship. And he's a Christian guy. He wants to be a youth pastor when he's done with football. And so, so, so he's got my heart because, you know, he's a Christian. He, they're underdogs and... And so, you know, I just start pulling for them. Well, all of a sudden, sure enough, they come back to the huddle, uh, and Nick Foles is back there calling the play. And, and then all of a sudden, they break the huddle, they go into the play, and, and, and the, the receivers take off, you know, and, 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 and as he's going back, as, as Nick Foles goes back, and he's throwing the ball, he, get, he gets hit about the time he's releasing the ball. I mean, he gets hammered, and the ball flies. It goes, and it goes, and it goes. And all of a sudden, there's this guy named uh, uh, I wrote his name, Alshon Jeffries, who's a receiver for the Eagles, and he catches the ball way out there, and they end up scoring a touchdown. I mean, it is like the place is going crazy. And so, um, so as I watched it, I just observed something I'd like to share with you is this, is that before that receiver, Al, Alshon Jeffries, could receive the ball, he had to huddle back there with the quarterback. So he had to receive the call 
before he could run and receive the ball. Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense to you? He had to receive the ball before he could receive, or he had to receive the call before he could receive the ball. And so what I want to share with you is this, is that the receiver had to receive it before he could receive it. All right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what to do, so you better clap or something so he'll shut up. I know, I know what you're thinking. I want to say it one more time because this, this, is, this sets the tone for the whole day. Is the receiver had to receive it. Like back behind, he's the quarterback's telling him, he had to receive the play, had to receive it before he could run out there and receive it. Got it? And so today, I want to tell you, there's, there's, there's three words that I want us to, to lean into today that are the key to you receiving Christmas from God. How to receive Christmas from God. You ready? These three words. You ready? They're coming over the screen. Let's say them together. You ready? Come on. I receive it. Let's say it again. You ready? Come on. I receive it. Everything about Christmas hinges on those three words, being willing to receive it. You have to receive it. And so today I want to talk to you how to receive from God because Christmas is about receiving. It's not just about giving, and I know that we've all been taught, you know, that it's better to give than to receive, and yes it is, but you have to receive it sometime, especially from God, right? You have to receive. You cannot, your life will not be what you want it to be until you receive. So Christmas is about, yeah, hey, it's time to receive from God. So let's talk about how to do that. So I want to give you four things today. So the first one is this. Would you write this down, how to receive from God? Number one is receive the promise in God's Word. Receive the promise in God's Word. We want to dive into, uh, back into the Christmas story, and I want to bring you up to speed. So Mary is... Uh, you know, minding her own business, the angel, as you saw those little kid video, the angels come out, come to her and, and says, hey, you're going to have a child and blah, you know, uh, she says, how can this be because I've never been with a man and all this stuff. And he begins to explain to her how it's going to happen. Look what it says. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will what? Overshadow you. Before, you know, I've read that verse for years and every, uh, that word I'm like, overshadow, what is that? Well, I don't know if you've ever been walking like downtown Atlanta in the city and the sun can be bright and shining, but when you walk in between some of those buildings, there's a big shadow that you, that's over you, you know, that's, that's cast from the building. And the Bible says, Mary, just like that shadow goes over you, the Holy Spirit of God is going to overshadow you wherever you go. It's going to be with you. And you know, he's going to protect you, guide you, lead you. And that's what it means. He said, going to overshadow you. Okay just in case you wanted to know. Okay, so the Holy One to be born will be called who? Son of, Son of God, that's right. Watch this. For nothing is impossible with who? God. Okay, one more, one more break. For nothing is impossible with God. The problem that we have in our culture today is that somehow we remove God's name out of there and we put someone else's name there. You see, you're in for depression. You're in for uh, a very difficult time as long as, as you're saying there is nothing impossible with me. Because there's a lot of things impossible with you. And, there's, and maybe it's somebody, maybe you think, you know, with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, my children, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. Whoever's name you're putting in the place of God is going to let you down. 
There's things that's impossible with me, but there's nothing impossible for me with God, right? I've got to tag team with God. All right. It goes on to say, she says this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Okay, so Mary received the promise. She received the promise. Remember we said you have to receive it before you can receive it, right? And so Mary received the promise. Now watch this. I got this really in a very practical way. Uh, two years ago, uh, Rhonda's side of the family uh, rented a cabin in the mountains after Christmas, and it was great. We rented this cabin, and uh, it was Rhonda and I, her sister and her brother, and her mom and dad, and Caitlin, our daughter. And so we were up there, you know, in the mountains, and we were going, doing things, but I was watching her sister struggle because she was having some health issues. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't able to move around the way that she would want to. And as I watched her struggle, you know, with these issues, I had something come to my mind, some, some words come to my mind, and I really felt, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but I felt like I should say this to her. You ever had one of those moments where you felt like, you know, you need to say this to this person? Okay, so if you've been around long, long at all around SEC, you know I can screw that up. I, I mean, I can, I can have the greatest intentions and trying to say the, 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 the right thing and just the way that it comes out just comes out all wrong and I'm in trouble. So I know this is a very sensitive issue when you start talking about somebody's health. And so, you know, we, we, we were, you know, there in that cabin. It was only, it was a couple, just, we'd only been there like two days, and we had the whole week. And so I'm like, Jeff, don't you say that? Because if you mess that up, you've got the five more days to be with these folks, and uh-uh. And, and so I'm struggling. So we go out to eat at this elaborate restaurant that night, Arby's. And she's sitting across, she and my brother-in-law are sitting across, and Rhonda and I and our daughter, Caitlin, and our, uh, Rhonda's parents are sitting at another booth. And, and the, the meal, and the whole time I'm having this go through my mind, you need to say this, you need to say this. They're like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't know if you're an angel, I don't know who you're talking, the Holy Spirit, just hush. Whoever you are. And, and then so the meal come, and we finished, and I said, finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, Deanna, I got something to say to you. She looked at me, I said, listen, I feel that this next year is going to be your year of health. And then she looked back at me and said, I receive it. It wasn't one of those like, oh, I received that. Thank you so much for sharing. I received that. I want to hug you. No. That's the difference between Rhonda's family and my family. My family, you know immediately if you tick them off or not. Because if I would have said that, they wouldn't like it. They would have said, how dare you get in my business? You just shut up. But Rhonda's family is six months. You don't know until six months that you ticked them all. And so, uh, so we were sitting on her parents' front porch. Not kidding. It's six months later. We're sitting there. And uh, there she is. Her health has gotten better. She's lost 40 pounds. And she looked over at me and she said, Jeff, it was those words that you shared that changed my life. And so here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a message in that for me. That day I realized this, is that I have to receive it in order to achieve it. I have to receive the promise of God before I can see the promise of God. 
And that day she did. And so I just want to challenge you today to receive whatever God has told you. It doesn't matter how long ago the promise was, you've got to receive it before you can receive it, right? And so that's the challenge. So let's say our words again together. Ready? Those three words, those three powerful words. Let's say, are you ready? Come on. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Okay, number two. The second thing, how to receive from God. Number two is this, is receive the responsibility entrusted by God. See the responsibility entrusted by God. We want to dive in now to Mr. Joseph. Look what it says here. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to who? Joseph, that's right. Engaged to be married. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became what? Through the power of who? The Holy Spirit. Okay, so now here's where the story gets real. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement how? Okay, let me explain that again. I, I, I had to keep this in perspective. To break the engagement quietly, it simply meant this. Joseph was not happy. He didn't go like, well, Mary, these kind of things happen to people, so I'm just going to let you go. No, 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 no. He wasn't that. He was irate. He was mad. The thing that says quietly was is that he didn't have her killed because all he had to do was ask her to come out into, you know, take her to the middle of the street, accuse her of adultery, and by the Old Testament law, she would have been stoned to death. So what it meant was is he didn't make a big deal so she would be stoned because he loved her and didn't want her to die. And so the Bible says that, that he took her out there. Now, this is what I want you to see here. Is that Joseph looked at Mary because, number one, Joseph was judging Mary on what he thought she had done. Okay? Not what she had done, but what he thought she had done. And when he did that, he saw Mary as a liability. Mary was a liability because of what he thought she had done. She was pregnant. So that meant that every time that they walked down the street, that people would point and say, you know what, that is, look at that disgraceful man right there because he had a disgraceful woman who cheated on him, who ran around. She was a loose woman, and, and here he is walking down the street with her. He viewed her as a liability, a disgrace to his family because of what he thought she had done, a liability. Is there anybody in your family that maybe you've thought they've done something, or maybe right now there's a struggle going on. You don't know if they've done it or not, but you think they've done something, and so you have, you're seeing them as a liability. Now, let's go on in the story. Look what happens here. It says this in verse 20. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by who? The Holy Spirit, that's right. And she will have a son, and you are to name him who? That's right. You're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, okay, he had a dream, and the angel appeared in the dream. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him who? Jesus, that's right. So what I want to share with you is this. It took a God encounter, but what God did, the miracle that God did, was that he removed what Joseph had labeled Mary as a liability to Mary became a responsibility. See that? She became responsible. 
I know Joseph, Mary was a responsibility, the baby Jesus was a responsibility to Joseph, and, and Joseph felt responsible to God and to Mary and to Jesus. And that's so important because as long as you see somebody as a liability, you will never let them close to you, right? You will guard your whole life, you'll protect yourself, and you will not let them close to you. You'll keep them at arm's length. But once you accept them as a responsibility, you're not responsible for them, but you are responsible to them. You see, let me explain that. Joseph was not responsible for Mary's actions. He was not responsible for uh, the delivery of the baby. He was responsible to Mary and to God, and that was to take Mary as his wife and to do the very, very, be the very best husband to Mary that he could be and to be the very best dad to Jesus that he could be, uh, stepdad, whatever you want to say, to Jesus that he could be. He, he did all of that. But see, so Joseph received that responsibility. Now, what I want to share with you is that, you know, the responsibility started as soon as he said, the angel, he woke up, he went and got married to Mary right then. They didn't wait any longer. They had plenty plans. He said, no, I'm going to marry now. And I believe that he went ahead and married her before everybody found out about her. See what I'm talking about? Because he loved her and because the angel said to do it. Then when Mary's nine months pregnant, okay, she's, she's about to have the baby, all of a sudden the government says, hey, you've got to go to your own town and you've got to be counted there because we want to, you know, begin to count all the people here, so you've got to go. There's a census that's going to be taken. So Joseph, he has, again, this responsibility to Mary, to baby Jesus, to God, and so he loads her up on the back of a donkey, and he's got to take her, and I'm sure he's asking questions. God, is this your sense of humor or something? Because it's not very funny. And so every time that he would carry, you know, get uh, that donkey going down toward Bethlehem, and it would stumble a little bit, and Mary would grab her stomach and go, oh, Joseph sort of freaked out. Like, oh, hold on, Mary. And somewhere along the way, Mary started having contractions. And listen, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that's having contractions where they're about to have a baby. But that can be very, very dangerous. I re- the, 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 Rhonda scared me the most when she was about to have our daughter, Caitlin. For the first time, I mean, Rhonda is so mild-mannered. She doesn't say, she doesn't say things that are ugly. Uh, you know, she doesn't do any of that. But when Caitlin was about to be born, she was having contractions, and, and, and she was moaning, going, oh, 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 oh. I said, shh, it's okay. Don't you tell me to shh. <laughs> Scared me to death. I've never seen that. I know that Mary is on this donkey, and she's beginning to have contractions, we know, because as soon as they get there, they're looking for a place, right? And she's beginning to have these contractions, and maybe Joseph says, shh, Mary's okay. She's like, don't you tell me to shut up or be quiet. Don't you tell me any of that stuff. And as soon as they pull into to Bethlehem, you know, there's no Marriott. There's no Hilton there. There's not even a Motel 6 with a light on. And here the responsibility to Mary, to Jesus, and to God. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that some of us have a tendency to run from the work of God. We have a responsibility to the work of God, not for the outcome, 
but to the work of God. I'm responsible to my wife to be a good husband. I'm responsible to my children to be the best father that I can be. I'm responsible to you as your pastor to be the best that I can do, to teach you the best that I can do. But I am not responsible for Rhonda's actions. I am not responsible for Tyler and Caitlin's actions. I am not responsible for your actions. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for that. <laughs> but I'm responsible to you. Does that make sense? And so you're responsible to the work of God. And so today I want to ask you, remember, you've got to receive it before you can receive it. You'll never know what it's like to, to be in the will of God until you become responsible for the work of God. And so I have a next step for you. I'd like for you to take to set you up for 2019 success. And here it is. It says, I receive that it is my responsibility to do God's work. When you check that box, my friends, 2019 will be exciting for you. But as long as you run from that, you're going to miss it. Okay, all right. Remember what our three words are? Let's say them again. You ready? Come on. I receive it. Let's say them again. You ready? I receive it. I receive it. When you receive it. Okay, the third thing is this. The third thing, how to receive from God, would you write this down, is receive the opportunity to experience Jesus. Experience Jesus. Not just know about Jesus, but to experience Jesus. I've got to set this up for you. It's the shepherds. The shepherds are out in the field, and they're doing whatever shepherds do. It, I, it's, not, you know, it's getting not dark, I'm assuming. And uh, they're just starting to kick back a little bit, you know, because they're not the people really don't like being around them, so they live in the fields. And so all of a sudden, the angels appeared to the shepherds. Look what it says here. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for who? All people. That's so critical. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ who? Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Now watch this. Watch this. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in what? Lying in a manger. Why, 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 why? Why the detail? Why, why did the angels even say that? Why, why did they just say, hey, Jesus is going to be born and go to Bethlehem. You're going to find this boy. Why did they just say that? Maybe the reason being is because the shepherds were outcast people. And, and remember, to all the people, that's what the angels making the message. The same to there, to all people. And what he was saying, the reason that the angels said the manger, he, you'll find him in a manger, is because shepherds knew about mangers. I mean, they were with the animals. They understand a manger is nothing but a feeding trough. That's what it is, a feeding trough. It's where animals eat their food out of. I know that many of you see these little mangers on a Christmas store, and you think, oh, it's a little straw bed. No, it's not. It's where they put food in. It's where the animals eat. And, and so, so they, when, the, when the angel said they're going to be in a manger, what they were saying was this, is that, listen, God's coming down to your level. What they were saying was, it, see, they couldn't, go, they couldn't go worship without people looking down on them because every time they go to present sacrifices, these people would say, oh, you're too nasty, you're too dirty, you're too this, you're too that. And so they were always put down. But the message of Christmas is this, is that God come down to your level. When you couldn't get to him, he came down to you. And this Christmas is all about God's coming down to your level. Doesn't that excite you? That, that means it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing right now. That Christmas is all about that God is coming down to you right now where you are. Isn't that amazing? Right where you are. 
in your feel bad that you feel bad for right now. He's coming right to you right now, your level. He's coming down. Look, it goes on and says this. It says, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and what? Found. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying where? You see, the shepherds received the opportunity to experience Jesus. They experienced it. They, they received that. And here's the, here's the deal. You see, the problem that, that we have in our culture is that for many of you sitting, even many of you sitting here today, is that you think this. You think, okay, well, when I stop doing this, I'm going, then I'm going to give my life to Christ. In other words, what you're saying is this, is that I'm going to have to go up to God's level before I can talk to God. No, 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 no. So I mean, that's why maybe you say, you know, well, when I stop drinking, when I stop drugging, when I stop cheating, when I stop sleeping around, when I stop watching porn, when I stop doing all these things, then I'm going to come to Christ. In other words, you say, I'm going to try to get to his level. Well, let me tell you something. If you could have stopped it on your own, you would already have stopped. But the Christmas is all about that God meets you right in the middle of where you are. He comes down to where you are. He comes down right to where you are, in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your concern, in the middle of you, I don't know if this is even real, right in the middle of it. And he comes down, and he meets you right there, right where you are. He's here to meet you right now, right where you are, in the middle of that. You see, we regret the opportunities that we take. Our, our, we regret the opportunities that are good that we don't take. Do you agree with that? The opportunities that are good, and we don't take, we go, oh, man, I wish I would have done that. Well, let me just tell you something. Today, today is the opportunity for you to take to become a Christ follower. And you don't want to miss it. You know what I hear all the time? I just want to be happy, Pastor. I just want to be happy. Well, let me just tell you something, okay? Let me just break it to you right now. You're never, listen, in order to be happy, you have to have hope. And you know what that means? That means you have to know where you're going when you die. You have to know that. That's hope. You have to have peace in your life. And that means that you have to know that no matter what's going on in the world, that God's got you. That's peace. And then you have to have joy. And that just means that, you know what, as you reflect on your hope and you reflect on peace, no matter what's going on around you, that you can still on the inside know this is going to be all right. You're never going to be happy until you have hope until you have peace, until you have joy. And that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why God sent him down on our level. That's why he said to the shepherds, you can find him in that grungy, nasty, stinky stable. They knew what stable life was like. You can find him right there. And let me tell you, that's where you find Jesus at right now in your life, eyeballing you right where you are and saying, I just want in. Because this is what happens. When you accept him, he takes you up. You're never going to have what you're looking for until you start with him. And so we have the prayer inside of our program. We have it here every week. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. And so I would just ask you today that you would just read that prayer and say, that's me, God, that's me. And it's between you and God. And the only thing I ask you to do is that you would check it on this box right here. On the back of your card, it says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. So that we can pray for you. That's it. That's it. That's all of it because it's between you and God. Okay, all right, remember our three words that we said. What did we say? I receive it. I receive it. You have to receive it before you can receive it. And too many people, you know, are not receiving it first. They want it, but they're not receiving. You got to receive it in my heart, in my mind. Okay, 
Number four, would you write this down? How to receive from God is this. Number four is receive God loves me with no strings attached. Receive God loves me with no strings attached. We're going to dive back into this Christmas story again. Look what happens here. It says, when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, they talk about the shepherds have come. That's who told them. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and what? What's that next word? Pondered. She pondered them in her heart. That means that she thought about them. What was Mary thinking about? Listen, she just had a baby. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I've been with Rhonda when she's had our two children, you know. And I can tell you that I remember, I never will forget this as long as I live. We didn't know what Caitlin was going to be. But the moment that the doctors, you know, uh, presented Caitlin to Rhonda, she said, Jeff, it's a girl. She was excited. She wanted a girl. She would never say that. She wanted a girl. Mary was saying, Joseph, it's a boy. It's Jesus. And the shepherds were saying all those great things. She was just thinking about the love of God that she saw right there in that baby. Love. Okay. That sounds so sweet, doesn't it? I have struggled with this. I've struggled with love. I don't know if you have or not, but I have. And I would love to tell you this something, you know, well, I struggled when I was a young man and I got over it. No, it took me a long time. And I don't even know if I'm there yet. You know, I don't know if it's because, like, you know, when I was younger, like a preteen or young teen, my dad had a small engine shop behind his house. And when I would go and be with my dad, you know, I'd go back there and I would work with him. And, and when I would do this work with him, you know, he would just, he, I would just feel his love. I, he was so proud of me when I worked with him. But that's the only time that I really felt his love is when I would do something for him. And somehow, I don't know if this is triggered up, but somehow I equated love as that, is that in order for me to love you, I have to do something for you. And in order for me to receive love from you, it means that you're doing something for me. Love to me, love to me was trading, constantly trading. And I want to tell you something. That's a horrible way to live, a horrible marriage. It's horrible raising your children that way. And it's horrible being a pastor that way, thinking that the only way I can get you to love me is I got to do something for you. Well, I felt that way until about seven years ago. Seven years ago, someone invited me to a men's retreat weekend. It was called Trace Diaz. I didn't want to go because it was a spiritual retreat. And listen, I didn't want any more spiritual retreat. I, I'll just be honest with you. I'm like, listen, I read my Bible every day. I, I pray and, you know, and, it's, and, and I really thought, you know what? I just, I just don't want to go. But these men said, hey, you don't want you to go. So this couple that was in our church, I really liked them. And I thought, you know what? Because they're good people, I'm going to go. Again, trading, right? Because if I go do this for them, they're going to owe me big time. If I go four days somewhere with them, then they're going to owe me because this is the way I thought. So I went to that weekend and not expecting to get anything out of it, to be honest with you, but to be there supported. As I went through that weekend, God poured his love out on me through those people. And I couldn't. I couldn't do anything to repay it. I mean, I couldn't do I would try to I would try to do something, you know, to try to do something to help in some way. Then no. 
you just receive. And four days, that's all I could do is receive. And they said, it's freely given. Listen to this. For the first time in my life, I received love that I could not pay back. And this is what God taught me. He said, Jeff, you have to freely receive my love before you can freely give my love. I could never love Rhonda the way that I wanted to until I learned to receive it freely. I received God's love freely that He loved me. The good, bad, the ugly, He loved me. I couldn't change God's mind about me if I wanted to. He loved me and He loves you. Until you freely receive that God loves you, then you will never be able to love the people around you like the way you want to because you can't give what you don't have. And so God knows us. He knows we're going to forget it, right? We're going to forget it. You're going to go out of here. You know, everything I've said this morning, maybe you've had one of those moments like, wow, that's awesome. And then you're going to be tempted to walk out of here. And as soon as those presents break out, then you forget everything I said. Jesus knew we'd be that way, so he gave us something. Would you take out the cup? Would you pull that first tab back? And there's a little wafer right here. That's all it is. It's a little piece of bread. Do you know what Jesus said in order that we might not forget that he loves us? He said, I want you to do this. It's called Holy Communion. I want you to do this. It remembers of me. And what he's saying is, I want you to never forget that I loved you so much that my body was beaten to a bloody pulp for you. I gave my body for you. It was broken for you. And so this is what I want you to do today as we take communion. I'm going to say this statement, and then we'll say it together, and we'll take the bread. The statement I want you to say out loud, I'm asking everyone, if you will, do this. Say this when I tell you to. God, I receive you love me. Now, would everyone in this room say that with me before we take the bread as you hold it? This is a symbol of his love. You ready? Come on, let's say it. God, I receive that you love me. Come on, take the bread. Thank you, Father. Now, would you take the tab back on the juice? Again, this is what Jesus said to do to remind us, because we'll forget it. He said, I love you. Through all your difficulties in life, I love you. He said, remember my blood is going to be poured out for you. In other words, I'm going to give my life so you don't have to give yours. I'm giving my very best to you to show you that I love you. That's what it was all about. That I love you. And so I'm going to say this statement. I'm going to say it first and then you repeat it. God, I receive that you love me. God, I receive that you love me. Ready? Let's say it together. Ready? Come on. God, I receive that you love me. Come on, let's take it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy moment that you love us and that you're with us and that you're smiling on us, oh God. And today, thank you for that. And we will have a Merry Christmas, God, because we receive it in order that we may receive it. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.